Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. So welcome to another episode of the Imperfectly Perfect podcast, where each week I'm joined by some of the world's most renowned faces in the entertainment industry, on the sports field, corporate leaders, and inspirational thought leaders around the world, each sharing their own truths and personal journeys. Today, we have none other than Jacinta Tyner, who's a journalist, author, columnist, and former news presenter, most recently with Sky News Australia. For more than a decade, Jacinta was a regular columnist for Sunday Life and has also contributed to various other publications, including the Sydney Morning Herald, Mind Food, Escape and Kids Spot. After stepping away from a news anchoring career in 2020, Jacinta turned her attention to her other great passions, human potential. Earning a diploma in positive mental health, she's now a qualified life coach, the perfect synergy for her regular body and soul column on spirituality in which she explores spiritual concepts and modalities. She does all this while raising her two young boys in Sydney, meditating daily, and I couldn't be more happy to bring her onto the show. So first and foremost, I'm so excited to get you on the show finally. It has been some time. Obviously, you got behind this mission, this movement. What? Four years ago it's come to now. Can you believe it? And Jacinta, must I say, like, you got behind it and you not only got me on Sky News once, but twice. So first and foremost, thank you very much and welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure. I wouldn't have got you on if I didn't see some merit in what you're doing. And, and it's just grown exponentially since then. Yeah, it, 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 it hasn't. The funny thing is, like every time anyone goes to the official website or the YouTube channel, the first face that they see is, is yourself. So <laughs> you literally took it to America and everything. That's Sky opening of... It's gone global. It's gone to America. So every single person that I send it to from Hollywood to corporate leaders to everybody, it's, it's your face. So <laughs> as I say, I mention and I give merit to yourself and Karen Ledbury for all the help that, that you always were. But I suppose when I bring it back to things and I always say there was this guy who literally knew nobody who essentially just reached out through social media and people often find that strange and go, you really just reached out by Instagram or sent a quick email and you actually got, got somebody to respond to you. So can you just take us back and, uh, and just what drew you to the campaign? I remember seeing something on social media and that is one of the beauties of social media, isn't it? That so many messages can reach people that they wouldn't ordinarily reach necessarily. So I can't remember what it was, your beautiful photography, I think, the, the vulnerable shots you took of people that we don't always see in that way. And I think it was an image that grabbed me first and then I read about what you were doing. And at the time I was, as you know, an anchor at Sky News and I had started a segment called The Changemakers where I was getting people on who were making a difference in the world. So you fitted that brief beautifully. So it's win-win, right? Yeah. I reached out to get you on and that is exactly the sort of thing I was trying to focus on. Your images are just so, so powerful, uh, not just because you're a great photographer, of course, but you obviously managed to get your subjects to really be vulnerable and forget that the camera's there and that's what's so compelling about them. 
Well, thank you. And it's something that I do want to touch upon with you a little bit later that I've come to find out more in terms of spiritual nature that I was able to tap into something that I never knew when I began this. And I know that you went down the spiritual route. But before we get into that, just for a little bit of premise, I obviously um, came out with your bio and let people know from my perspective as to all the amazing things that you're known for here in Australia and your writing and being an author. But can you just take us on a little bit of journey from where it started, what delved you into the, the career as a journalist and then an author and now an, an affluent life coach that's helping other people empower others? It all starts with storytelling, I think. When I go back, right back to childhood, because that's where our dreams begin, right? And so often we cloud them with, with other things. I wanted to be an actor. That was all I ever wanted to do when I was young. And that was like my calling from such a young, young age. And even though I haven't pursued that path, I have studied acting and done bits here and there. It's still the same thing. It's about sharing stories. And the reason I love stories so much is because I think that it's, and I love real stories more than anything, and photography like yours is, is storytelling. And it's because I think that it's in the vulnerability and the sharing of others that we see ourselves. And we know we're not alone when we can hear somebody else be really generous. It's a generous act, I think, to share what's going on for them, the good and the bad and the, and the, the deep uh, suffering that they might have been through. And when they're open about that, that allows the rest of us to see that we're not alone. Other people have been through this too. And so I just, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of sharing other people's stories because I have that skill of, of being a writer and I have that skill of being able to communicate. So I see myself as a bit of a conduit to be able to do that as well as I'm a bit impartial to sharing my own stories as well because I, because I see the merit in that. Yeah, that's beautiful. But <laughs> I want to take it a bit deeper with you because I know when I came to Sky News and I was sat there and I was watching how effortlessly you made it look and everyone was go, go, go. And it was this, that and the other. That was essentially one hour of me sat there watching that production. I can only imagine behind the scenes and the production and everything you've got to do with research and everything, all this. So take away the noise and everything. What was the change in the career? Was it during the pandemic that you learned to look more internal? Because in your industry, in that entertainment industry, it is full of the external noise and go, 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 go. And how did you learn to tap out of that and tap into more of who Jacinda was always meant to be? This is such a good question. And you are, you've, you've said you wanted me to go deeper and there's no way I can't to answer that question. I, it's a combination of things. So I believe in the universe and, and a high power. And I believe that the universe stepped in. I was retrenched from my job at Sky News during the pandemic. And I've always been really open about that. You know, when you, when you lose a job like that, they do say to you, you can say whatever you want and we'll back you. And that's when you see people in the media often say, I just want more time with my family. Look, often they do. Of course, genuinely they do because it, it, the media can rob you of that time. Uh, but a lot of the time that's not the case. And I just, there was no way I wasn't going to be honest about that. A whole lot of us, a sway that was in the media just got retrenched at that time and there's no shame in that. So I was open about that. But it was actually, while it was a, it was, a, it was a worry for me because I am a single mom of two kids and I did have that initial, oh, my God, how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to do this? There was also just beneath that, there was another part of me that was really excited and really hopeful because I had been 
inauthentic in that role for quite some time. And I wanted to be a journalist and then that sort of led to news reading, which I enjoyed, but it got to a point in the last few years where I thought this isn't right. Every part of me was screaming that. And I think it's because chicken or the egg, right? So I've been going on this more spiritual journey uh, for quite a few years now, a good decade, I'd say, well, all my life really. But since I learned to meditate is when things really shifted for me, which was 13 years ago. And then I would sit there reading the news every night, which is such an important role that there's there's that not taking away from that it's an important role of course to share that information it's such a privilege to have that role however for me it wasn't working anymore because I was sharing this negativity that was my job to tell everybody all the really bad things that were happening in the world and while it's important that people know this stuff for me it wasn't working and I, I I've written about this but I was at the point where I was going home crying on my way home every night because it just didn't feel right anymore. And I thought, how am I going to get out of this? I felt really trapped because I needed a job because I'm a single mom and because I also want to have a career and I want to keep my hand in there. And so I was just, I needed something to step in and and make a change for me because I didn't have the courage to do it myself. And I I knew something had to give, but it was too good to stay and it was too bad to leave. and, And I just... Uh, actually, it was the other way around. It was too it was too good to leave and it was too bad to stay. I was in that situation. And that's why I started The Changemakers, actually, that segment you were on, because I was doing this job that didn't feel aligned with me. And I was I was consciously thinking, how can I do something with this platform that I've got to make a difference and, and spread some positive news out there in the world? So I created that segment just so I at least felt like I was doing something more in tune with with what I wanted to do in the world. And then as as it happens and as is a beautiful timing of the universe, as, as it always is, no matter what, good or bad, it stepped in and I was, uh, it was just really good timing that it was time for me to go and, and do something that was more in tune with, with where I was heading internally as well. Wow, I love that. And, and the reason why when I started reading about it, I was like, I always say to everybody, and people will be fed up of hearing it on the podcast, but I say I was never brought up around spirituality, religion. I'm not religious, but a lot of people of faith kept coming towards me. And when it went to America and more, I was having gurus. I was having shamans, shamans, whatever you want to call them. And they were all like, Glenn, this has been led. Do you know that? And I was like, what do you mean? What the bloody hell are you talking about? It's been led. Yes, I'm working hard, <laughs> but what do you mean? And The more I started tapping out of the noise and tapping in, trying to do the meditation. And I asked you about the noise because when you're in production or you're go, 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 like I was as well in terms of what I was doing, it's very hard to get out of your logic and tap inwards. So I found that really hard. But to this day now, I have stepped forward and I've got a very supportive group of spiritual people who have been mentoring me, teaching me, learning things. And doors have continued opening. And it's by surrendering to the process a lot more. So do you feel like as soon as you just let go, and I say, let go, give God, (laughs) just surrender to the process and keep walking and you don't actually know what's next, but you're actually okay with it. Yes, I've I've become really au fait at surrendering. I I have read lots of great books. Michael Singer writes writes about surrender and I love his books particularly. And so I really have consciously gone into that 
I'm really fascinated by that sphere and I've done a lot of it myself. So things have really hit rock bottom for me in the last few years. I'm coming out of it now, but I've been through a really tough separation and raising my kids as a single mum, and then losing my job. Although I don't say losing my job. I, I say that I was released from my job because it wasn't right for me. It was right for someone else, but not for me. So with all of those things, I've had some really frightening moments. I've been in a state of fear. And the only thing you can do then, well, the best thing you can do then is just to surrender. And I've done it. I've been on the floor, those dark nights of the soul. And I've, I wrote about this in, in my last book, uh, The Single Mother Social Club. I talked about, I wrote about those nights, we've all had them, where you can't sleep and it just all feels so overwhelming. And the only way that I could find peace at those times was, I don't know why you get on the floor. Apparently that's quite religious too. You know, a lot of religions pray on the floor. Apparently that's yeah, because... True where your heart is closest to your head. But I just didn't know that, but I just felt compelled to get onto the, to the floor. It was the only place I could find some comfort. And I have prayed. I have just prayed and said, help me. I don't know what to do. I'm handing this over. I don't know what to do. And in those moments, something shifts. So you may not get answers. Angels don't fly above you with a banner giving you the <laughs> giving you yep. the answer. Unfortunately, <laughs> that would be great. But you, you, I just felt in those moments some peace, some relief that I could just at least go to sleep and know that everything would be okay. And while I'm down there on the floor, I see the Lego fireman under the bed and think oh, I better get that. And oh, the floor needs a vacuum. And so you realize that that you're still you're still in on the earth. And you're still part of it all and life goes on. But it's it's I have had to throw my trust in a higher source because things have got too tough for me to handle. Wow, so, so powerful. I love this conversation. Because what would you say ultimately the person that you are now sat here and you've got yourself settled in a new place, loving mother to your two children, you've you've gone through that adversity and you've hit rock bottom. But what lessons can you take away from it? Where do I start? <laughs> so many, so many. I think uh, the biggest one is trusting. I've really got to a place. Also, I don't have to blow dry my hair all the time. That's fantastic. I love that, that I don't have to have to see this, <laughs> this, this bird's nest I wasn't able to have when I was reading the news. That's the main lesson I've learned. No, I am digressing and joking. I have learned to trust and that is such a relief. It's a real relief to be able to just throw my trust in. That's surrendering as well, throwing my trust in universal timing. And just it becomes a bit more light and joyful just to see it all unfold and almost like a witness. Michael Singer talks about that too, being a witness to your consciousness. So a witness consciousness, he calls it. So it's watching life unfold. And hmm, that's interesting. I didn't see that coming, but let me go with that. And so you, you become, I, I've got to a place where I believe that everything that happens, even if it doesn't look necessarily good on the outside, whatever good is, mm. I've come to see that all of it is for, the, for my best, for my highest self. And so I just go with it. It doesn't mean I don't suffer and struggle and rail against the world and get annoyed and yell and carry on. And I do all that. But then when I can get still, and away from that noise that you talk about, that's when I always, always say, all right, this is meant to happen. What for? What's the lesson for me in this? Mm. I always ask myself that. What am I meant to learn from this? Because there's always something. And that's how it all makes sense. That's how it can all make sense. 
I wanted to just say with that noise that you were talking about, when I was reading the news, and I forget about that now until you brought it up, but it is that place of constant pressure and deadlines and noise and, and it's really invigorating actually and it's, it's really a privilege to be a part of that world, but there isn't much time to be still and to think mm. with all of that going on and so that's what I needed and that's what I've been gifted now. Wow. You know, for people that are listening to this episode and I've openly started speaking more in terms of what I've gone through. And I think it's a sense of, I went through personal development, which opens the mind a little bit more to experience other things and then spiritual nature. And now I just literally say personal relationship with God when you were talking about praying. So I started doing that. And um, somebody once sent me a meme, one of my spiritual mentors, I call them unbeknownst to them. But like you talked about the angels for anyone listening out there, my friend sent me a meme and it was like, Glenn's expecting like the red carpet and God coming down and meeting him and a voice in his head that's just going to talk to him. And you just have to realize like there's signs and there's, there is little nudges and there is things that you see serendipitous moments. But for anyone listening out there that hasn't really walked in this path yet, you openly speak about moving away from your marriage, single mother, that you've gone through that adversity what would you say to any mothers? And we can only speak on a personal experience. What would, you, what would your advice be? Because you've written several books now. You write about it all the time. And the thing that I love about you when I watch your stuff is you are transparent and which shows the authentic side of you. And sometimes that you can put an article out and it can get a response that when you were talking about motherhood for yourself was easier than it might be for some people. And you said something that's so entrenched in me when it goes, yeah, but what happened? Conversations had to be started. So what advice would you give to anyone out there that's kind of struggling but listening to everybody else? Well, first of all, I'm no expert. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> I really am not an expert. So I am not a parenting expert. But I, I guess you're asking for my advice of how I have, have coped as a, as a mother. For me, it, it is meditation. It is. Some people don't want to hear that. But I couldn't have got by without it. I learned to meditate when I was pregnant with my oldest son and he just turned 13. So I've been wow. meditating 13 years. I do Vedic meditation, which is 20 minutes twice a day. So whatever it is you find, that's what I do. And it changed everything for me, everything. It's so powerful. That's why there's so much research showing how powerful meditation is because uh, it's now scientific, scientifically proven how it alters our brain. And it has taught me to be present and more relaxed and and more being able to find the joy in smaller moments and to be more focused and so many, many things. And you sleep better as well, by the way. That's the, the tip. <laughs> and also when you meditate, you get the, the rest, the deep rest that is even more powerful than sleep. So there's another tip for, for mothers. I think with motherhood, again, it depends where you're at. So the babyhood stage is a whole thing. Uh, you're talking about an article I wrote when my son Jasper was born. And people had told me how tough motherhood was. It's all you heard. When I was pregnant, I kept getting the bad press. Everybody kept saying, oh, motherhood's the hardest thing you'll ever do. You'll never sleep again. You'll never go to the movies again. You'll never see your friends again. It's so hard and it's the hardest job in the world. And so I was really gearing up for that. And I was scared. There was a lot of fear around it. And that's why I learned to meditate. I actually thought better get something in my toolbox here or I'm going to crash and burn. I'd had depression before. 
And I thought I do not want to go down that path. Oh, who wants to go down that path ever? But I thought I can't do that as a mother. So I need to find something. And everybody says meditations helps with that. So let me try that. And it was the thing. It really was. And so I, when my son was born, I kept waiting for the sky to fall in because everybody said it would. And it didn't. It just got better. And that doesn't mean that he didn't do what babies do, uh-huh. waking in the night and crying and um, and wouldn't go to sleep when I wanted him to. And my life went on hold, the rest of my life went on hold and all the things that are supposed to happen because that's what's supposed to happen with a newborn. But what we do is we think life's going to go on as it was. And if you can release that expectation and just be present with life is going to change for a while and lean into that, that's where the joy is. So I wrote that article quite naively, I have to say, at the time about uh, everybody's so hard. What, what are they all talking about? And I got slammed and, and I, I copped it quite a bit because people thought I was talking about them and criticising them. I was just talking about my own experience. And I was hoping, as I always do as a writer, that if I share that, then maybe somebody else will see themselves in that too and that might help someone else, which it did. It did that mm. as well. And then I went on to write the book Mother Zen because of that. That came from that. Well, I wanted to explore why is it that some people struggle and some don't. So that's the new babyhood stuff. And then with the single motherhood, which is a whole other story in my book, The Single Mother's Social Club, which is more recent, focuses on that. But again, if I had to sum it up, that comes back to meditation as well. Or if you don't want to meditate, it's about being present and finding, finding your truth and finding that, listening to that voice within and listening to your intuition. Mm. That's, that, that's the summary of, of how I managed to, to stay present and not miss it. Do you find with how long you've been in the industry yourself and as a writer that when criticism comes your way, that you've learned to not deflect it, but almost drown it out? Because there was an area of time when there was an article that came out when somebody came on the campaign and there were people literally going for the person and then looking at the campaign saying, oh, look, celebrities, Crimea River, and they don't know what it's like and this. First time I'd experienced it, I took it really personal and just wanted to go, excuse me, but these are people like, and what you're doing is, and and all this. So I found it hard the first time, but then I started to realize, you know what, between all of that, I'm probably reaching somebody who needed to hear that story to make a difference. So is that something that you have in kind of your back pocket as always thinking that whether there are some people that aren't going to be liking what you have to say, there's going to be that one person that you may just save a life because they needed to hear it. No, I get really sensitive about it. That's the truth. I don't cop a lot of it now, and if I do, I'm tuned out to it. Mm. But that that article I wrote uh, about motherhood when my son was born, he was about 10 months old actually, that hit me really hard. But I've come a long way since then, so there's that. So I wonder if I, if I was to cop that kind of criticism now, I'd probably be a lot better. But back then it really crushed me. I couldn't go near my computer I used to, it was like I if I opened it it felt like it was I was opening a box with a monster inside I just had to I had to shut down and I did question myself and I did think oh, I'm a terrible person and I, I did go down that path so I'm easily triggered I'm very sensitive and I'm not good if, if with criticism at all I, I do take it on but I'm getting better and I'm evolving all the time and I think what happens is it's like you attract you attract experiences that reflect what you think about yourself mm. and so my self-esteem has come a long way since then and 
he probably wasn't in the best place then. And so it's, I was like a magnet for that. Now I've, I've still, I'm still very sensitive. Maybe I'll always will be because that's the beauty of being a creative person too, Mm. that we feel things deeply. And I do feel things very deeply, but I've got so much better at just knowing what belongs to me and what doesn't. So when stuff comes at me, whether it's in the media or whether it's personal, I am so, so much better. And I'm saying this because I'm, I'm, as I'm saying this, I'm reflecting on how far I've come actually thinking, gosh, that, this used to not be what I was like, but now I can look at something or hear something and think, okay, yeah, I need to take that bit on, but that bit's not mine. Mm. It's always good to be open to a bit of constructive criticism or, or hearing yeah. from a trusted source where, oh, maybe there is something I can refine here. There always is, but I'm not taking on other people's stuff. Anymore. Yeah, and that's always important. I think one of my big triggers and unhealed traumas I noticed through this was feeling like I was being looked through over or around being used and manipulated by certain people. And it just got to me. And as an empath, even as a guy and compassionate and truly wanting to make the best and help other people, I couldn't understand why I was attracting people that would be around me for a certain amount of time. And then it was just like closed doors. And I'd be like, I don't get this. And I was taking it personal. And then something happened with a family member and the way that they was talking to me. And I started realizing it was a trigger point and that I was allowing it to happen. And that was the difference. I was going in this habitual cycle of allowing and attracting it. And then somebody, again, a spiritual mentor said to me, if you look at things as a test, it's going to keep happening until you learn and you create your barriers and you move forward. And I was like, this is so bloody hard. Like you were saying, whatever your trigger is, it's like, it's hard if you actually if you do lead by your heart, because you do want the best for people, but you can't understand why some people will attack, but then again, hurt people, hurt people, whatever you've been through every experience is a question that, you know, that I ask every single person on the campaign. What does imperfectly perfect campaign, what does imperfectly perfect mean to you now? I think it's a great word, a great phrase, by the way, that Thank you me. came up with. And as you say, you're, you're being, you're channeling a bit right so it's obviously come to you so I love that for starters and what does it mean to me is that we all have flaws and that if we embrace those flaws then we're that's that's a a way to live a much more fulfilled life rather than trying to be something else and also looking at our own flaws and going within and working on our own stuff rather than blaming outwards it means that as well because so often we we want to blame everyone else and circumstances as well, other people, life, stuff that happens for the reason that we're suffering at whatever form suffering is. Suffering happens to the mildest level of of um, being stuck in traffic to huge grief. That that's that's the gamut of suffering. Whatever form suffering takes, it's so much more empowering if we see our role in that. And that's where the uh, that's where you, I think what your phrase means to me. Love that. And I will just say to anybody listening, it was actually Dan Ewing, a conversation, how many ways Dan Ewing, we was having a conversation about things. And he was like, look, he was like, I've got a great life. I do this, I do this, but it's not everything. It's just, and I can't remember how he exactly came out with it, but it was the first shoot of the campaign. And he was talking about being imperfectly perfect. And I was like, that is it. And each person I've spoken to since they'd be like Dr. Jody Spencer, who's very spiritual, Les Brown. 
And they'd be like, imperfectly perfect is not of the flesh. That's of the spirit. That has come from somewhere else. That, And I was like, okay. <laughs> so when, they, when, yeah, the first time people start coming out with a lot of spiritual nature and I was like, okay. And there was this question that they kept, it wasn't a question. It was a statement they kept saying. And they said, Glenn, once you know, you know. And I'm like, what does that mean? And then Dr. Jody Spencer came on and he was like, once you know, you know. So after the podcast, and I openly speak about it, I say, what is this thing that I don't know? Like, is this some secret? And he was like, you know that this has been led. He said, you're on a different kind of energy, which is why you knew nobody and the doors have kept opening because you are leading by that heart. But with that comes a lot of responsibility, a lot of trials, a lot of tests, a lot of tribulations. And I always remember when me and Karen came onto your show, and you just turned around and you was like, congratulations for everything doing. Are you making any money on it yet to actually make sure that you're all right and things like this? And whew, this journey emptied my pockets. I've, I've gone to the top. I've gone to the bottom. But I'm still walking and the lessons that I've learned. So, yeah, I, I just want to say, like, the amount of help that you gave to make this create a ripple effect around the world, like, you'll never know how grateful I am. And I always mention it to you. But if it wasn't for you to get us onto Sky News and how big that platform is, like the amount of people that reached out and said that the stories were actually saving life. So thank you very much. That means so much, Glenn. And I've, I always marvel at how, how you've got, you've become really big and you're international. I mean, you've had Joe Dispenza on, doesn't get bigger than that. Mm-hmm. And yet you always mention it mention me and tag me and I don't need that I don't need that that uh, acknowledgement but I, I note it because I think wow that says a lot about you that you're still acknowledging where some of the other people that helped you along the way yeah well I've, I've been trying so long to get you on the bloody podcast <laughs> like come on Jacinta you've been um, very generous in asking me to come on a few times and it's just been a reflection of all the things going on in my world but I also know divine timing so when exactly when we're ready to 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 speak about these things then the then the moment appears and it's appeared now and I think that I actually reflect on I've how far I've come just in the last probably two months Mm. A lot's happened in my own personal growth in that time. I've just come back from Kamalaya in Kosamui, which is a beautiful spiritual retreat where you have one-on-one mentoring with a former monk. Wow. Isn't that, isn't that a gift? Wow. So this beautiful uh, former monk called Sujay, and I've had lots of sessions with him. And the the learnings I had in that in that time have, have just been profound and I feel quite shifted there's just always another layer to come and so maybe I was meant to speak to you after that you know well these conversations I I believe it that divine timing I had a conversation with someone the other day who has moved out of the media and she was like why did you get in touch with me and I said well you helped me at the beginning but your name popped in my head and I don't know why and she'd been going through some things and she found a lump in her throat. And what she found out was that she'd hidden a voice. She wasn't speaking out on certain on topics. And through the podcast, she didn't think she'd be able to carry on. But she said after the podcast, it was just flowing. So mm-hmm. everything that she'd held in and she said, it just doesn't make sense why you just get in touch. Like we're actually good friends. So we touch base all the time. But she said, it's just. I'm not in the media and you remembered me and you brought me on and now she's going 
I think this were a serendipitous moment. I think divine timing. So like you say, I'm a full believer on that. There might have been something within this conversation that we listened to it afterwards. And I always get wisdom from these conversations of every single person, because I think you just learn all the time. But two questions I just wanted to ask you. Um, you have moved into, you've got several books now. You also write for so many outlets, but you're also empowering other people. So with everything you've gone through, how did that come about? Because you went and studied in terms of mental health and life coaching. So what, what drew you to actually make a change in other people's lives in that respect? When I left Sky News and was, retren was retrenched from the job, I had that moment to reflect, as I mentioned. And actually, let me tell you a little thing as an aside. When I got the phone call from my boss at the time to discuss this retrenchment, there was a big fat grasshopper on the wall and I'd never seen one before and I've never seen him since on the bedroom wall as I was having the conversation. It was homeschooling at the time, so I had the kids in the, in the other room doing their stuff and so I'd gone into the bedroom to, to have this conversation and I thought, what's that grasshopper doing there the whole time I was talking? That's so odd. So I went and searched up what grasshopper means as a <laughs> yeah. spiritual symbol and it means moving forward because grasshoppers apparently can't go backwards. So they're wow. all about moving forward. And so that was beautiful, that as an aside. And so I was writing my book, The Single Mother Social Club at the time. So I had that project to finish. So all my energy went into that, uh, which was a wonderful gift. And then when that finished, I thought, okay, what do I really want to do? And I've always benefited from coaching and kinesiology and all the things I do. And so I thought, why don't I do that? I could do that because I've got so much out of that. So I went and did a diploma in positive mental health coaching and I've started coaching one-on-one -on -one. and then the other thing I really wanted to do was I'm a writer what do I want to write about I want to write about spirituality because I want to bring that to more people mm -hmm. so I got this column I went and pitched it and got a column in body and soul magazine which I've been doing for about a year now and I write about spiritual modalities and spiritual concepts in my own spiritual journey every month and so all of that is in such perfect alignment and it, it leaving that job freed me up to do those things that are more in alignment with with who I am and the, and who I've become and the, the messages that I want to share with others so it's just it feels really heaven sent I'm always I wake up just so grateful all the time to be doing this wow I, oh, I've loved this conversation I'm actually doing an international roundtable soon I'll I'll send you the link if you want to join it because it's all my spiritual mentors that have been brought along my path and they've given me downloads, they've poured into me, they've told me things that only I would know. And it's helped me because in those times, like you say, and you're praying, and I was even taught that if you are praying from a place of desperation at times, like it's the only thing we tend to do, we actually forget about praying for gratitude when we're actually happy. So it's almost like, oh, you only want me when something's not going right. So I actually learned to tap into a lot more things and and some things have happened, which are, are full on, but... um. Yeah, the experience. I would love to be part of that. Sorry to interrupt, Glenn, because, yeah, because because when you were talking through this whole interview, you've been saying my spiritual mentors, and I was thinking, who is this team? I need to know who they are. <laughs> well, I put them together for, for a roundtable. Oh, so amazing. if you want to join that roundtable, you come on because ah, oh, I just can't wait. I'm just like, this is going to be absolutely amazing. Um, but what's next for you? What's coming up other than the roundtable? A few things actually. So I'm doing the coaching and I'm doing the column, 
but I'm actually working on a project which is a spiritual book club. And so I'm uh, in the process of getting that into development and it should be up soon, but it's for people who love spiritual books, which I'm sure you do and a lot Mm. of your listeners do. And it's I'll be interviewing the authors of these books and then uh, tune in and listen to those interviews. And it's also like a curated list of the the most empowering books that I've come across, both uh, for authors who are no longer with us but have made a huge impact to people that are writing these books now because it's these kind of books that have really helped me along Mm. the way we don't always get access to the teachers but we can read those books at any time so I'm really excited about that I've had to break through some beliefs around am I a business person can I run a business and I I had to I use I worked with my kinesiologist on kind of pushing through that so I had a bit of work to do there and now I'm on my way so that's what I'm working on Wow. You need to check out if you haven't already. It's a book that changed my life. It's David R. Hawkins, Surrender, The Art of Letting Go. Very spiritual. I'm reading that right now. You wouldn't believe it. It's on my Kindle right now. It's amazing. Yeah. Best book. Best book. But um, where can people find you? Where can people uh, keep up to date with you? I have a website, jacintatynan.com. I'm on Instagram, just enter time. And it's all really straightforward. And the website for the Spiritual Book Club will be up soon as well. Uh, I say that with hesitation because, you know, when you commit to something like this on air, that it has to happen. <laughs> so we are in the, we're in the background working on it, but it's, uh, it's one of those things that I'm going to have to hurry it along <laughs> now that divine I'm Divine timing, divine, you can't. You can't, what what is the saying? You can't rush perfection and nothing's perfect. So it's divine timing. (laughs) But I just want to say on behalf of myself, on behalf of the campaign for everything you've done for it, unbeknownst to you, the reach it's gone to because of what you did for it and helping us. Thank you once again. I'll never be able to say thank you enough to you. Um, But guys, I'm going to put all the links up to where you can find Jacinta. Please check it out. I want to check out the spiritual stuff more. Um, But keep having the hard conversations, guys, as I say, each and every week, because it is the hard conversations that saves lives. To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.